The Feminist Coach Academy podcast is proudly supported by Perk Digital, helping professional and entrepreneurial women amplify their message, build their body of work, and leave a legacy through podcasts. For more information about how podcasts can help you build your brand, visit perkdigital.com.au. Welcome to the Feminist Coach Academy podcast, where inclusive feminism, business, and coaching meet. This podcast is proudly brought to you by the co-founders of the Feminist Coach Academy, Naomi Arnold and Cameron Aaron. We are feminist life and biz coaches, both passionate about helping coaches, therapists, helping professionals, practitioners, and entrepreneurs integrate a feminist lens and perspective into their businesses, life, and client practice. On this podcast, we plan to help you do so. Now let's get started. Hello, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to episode four of season two. We are in the middle of our certification training launch where you can get certified in feminist coach theory. And this helps you integrate an inclusive feminist praxis into your work with your clients, your business, and your life. So if this is of interest to you, then we invite you to join us. You can learn all of the details and to enroll today because enrollment will only be open for like maybe another week, maybe even less than that. So you'll definitely want to get on it. Go to feministcoachacademycourses.com. That's the direct link to learn all about our certification training. Or you can go to feministcoachacademy.com and find it there as well. You can click the link in our episode notes. We hope to have you in our community. Today's episode is a special one with one of our pilot members, Catherine Rose. Catherine was a pilot member of ours, and she also did some work for us behind the scenes for the FCA. And we are happy to have her on the podcast. I interviewed Catherine a little while ago at the beginning of at the beginning of the pandemic lockdown, actually, when it was happening in the US. Um, we talked about Catherine's experience in the pilot round and how Catherine has begun integrating Um, feminism into her business and into her work as an intuitive coach and a copywriter. Catherine is also a writing witch at The Content Cauldron, and you can go to catherinerose.com to learn more about Catherine and her work. The link to her website is also in our episode notes. And she does awesome copywriting and coaching for clients. So check her out. And she's very witchy and intuitive as well. So if that's your style, then check out Catherine. So in this interview and chat, just chatting about the importance of an inclusive feminist awareness in coaching, which is what Catherine really learned from our pilot round, you know, just talking about the importance of that, right? And Catherine is also shares about how 
she was kind of scared to join and she the term feminist didn't really totally resonate with her she was sort of shy away from it scared of it and how she broke free from that and how um, she has really seen how necessary a feminist perspective and practice is in coaching and her work and business. So you'll hear her be very candid about that, which I appreciate. And I know that some of our listeners are are going to relate to that as well. So without further ado, let's get to this awesome chat with the amazing Catherine Rose. Okay, so I think just the first thing to um, that I want to ask you about, just so people know more of who you are, what your business is, and who you serve. Hmm. So I am a copywriter and a coach. I'm also an NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist, and a podcaster and an author now. So I do quite a few different things, but they're all quite you know, connected. I'm also a highly sensitive introvert, so INFJ for those Myers-Briggs fans out there. And I've also had a lot of experience both in my own life, but also through coaching my clients in mental health issues like anxiety and depression. And at the moment, because of everything that's happening in the world, I am shifting and focusing on brave business. So how we can be braver, you know, in very challenging circumstances. So I've just released a book on that and a hypnosis to provide some comfort. Mm, Love that. Yes. So as we're recording this, we are, it is during COVID, though this episode won't be released for a couple months from now. But yes, it's such a great resource to take advantage of even, you know, two months from the recording. Can you say more about your resource, your ebook? Sure. So it's something that I was actually tinkering with for over a year now. And there just was something that was stopping me from publishing it. I just, I couldn't get the draft right. And I felt like there was just something, there was a sort of depth to it that was missing, I suppose. And of course, then, then this happened, coronavirus happened. And for some reason, that just allowed me, I guess, the space, but also the focus of the message in terms of, okay, <laughs> when everything has turned to pot, like everything, this, this has really affected everyone in so many ways. How do we keep going on? And I think this plays in really nicely with the resource that you and they have put out, the workbook to help people get through this time, because it's like, you know, there is definitely a greater need, I think, for rest uh, for, and that could just be sleep or it could be, you know, the rituals and things that sort of soothe you and help you not get into a spin, if that's your tendency, I know it is for me. But also, you know, how do we keep our businesses going or pivot our business in a way where we're really serving from a place that feels good, that feels very intentional um, and that, you know, supports people, but also allows us to keep going on, you know, and to keep serving and to, to keep growing our businesses too. It's really important that we do that. So, yeah. Yes, absolutely. It is really important that we do that. And yeah, it's like, well, you know, we still have to make money and we still can have a business 
And I think that is part of having a feminist business is to say, yeah, you know, I believe in myself and I, I believe in my business and I believe that people need my services even during this time. And I know I can help people and I know I can support people and it's okay to keep showing up and being open for business, right? Mm-hmm. And I think a part of that can be really challenging because, you know, for those of us who have internalized patriarchal messages of just be the nice girl, you know, you're a woman, so your primary need is to care for people, not to put your money and your your um, security first. So there's a lot of, I think, unpacking of that at the moment too and saying, no, okay for me to do okay through this and also support people if that's what I feel called to do. Yes, that is a very important point. Very good. Yeah, well, since we're talking about patriarchy and feminism, feminist business, yeah, let's get let's dive more into that, into feminist business. I know you've been, you know, we're like what, nine months into the Feminist Coach Academy now and just curious just curious, like what having a feminist business means to you or what are some of the things you've learned in integrating feminism in business? Hmm. So I'll be very honest, Cam. <laughs> I, think, I think I'm a great example of the person who doesn't, who, who at least at the start didn't feel or think that they needed to be a feminist coach, didn't even want to go near that word. Oh, wow. Okay. This is going to be rich. I don't know if you're aware of that. <laughs> I'm not aware of that. That does surprise me, but now I want to hear everything. Yeah. So obviously when, when you started out, you had the two tracks, you had the developing coach collective, and then you had the separate feminist coach track. I chose the developing coach collective. Uh huh. Yeah. I looked at that and thought, well, I'm a, I'm a baby coach. I'm just starting out. And I think there's a lot of value in learning from, I know that you and I hadn't met, but I had met Nay before through one of her other programs. So I knew that whatever she put out would be great and valuable and helpful. So I was like, yeah, that'll be great. I'll learn from some great mentors and access a really supportive community. And of course I did. But there was just so much resistance to the feminist track. Okay, so now I'm curious, when we offered that opportunity for you to join the feminist track later on, what was your first thought? My first thought was, of course you're being offered this. (laughs) (laughs) It was because this is the thing you don't want to face. Right. Of course this has come to you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so why is it scary? And it totally is for a lot of people. So it's like, there's no shame in this. You know, it's, I'm so glad we're talking about this. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm really happy to just throw it on the table here. And, you know, because I want to speak to that person who might be sort of where I was. So, and I can only speak from my experience. So growing up in white middle-class Australia, being very unaware of the systems of oppression that exist now and definitely existed back then in the 80s and 90s. So unaware, so unaware of my privilege, (laughs) so unaware of what the rest of the world is like. So of course, you know, like everyone, I've internalized a lot of those messages. And when I left Australia to go traveling on my own for a few years, just to go off on a bit of a tangent, Um, and then lived in the UK for a few years, I did actually start to see Australia in a very different way. And I started to see the very, I would say, misogynistic culture that 
is here and is very institutionalized. Didn't really know what to do with that, but I definitely had some awareness of, oh, like there's something icky about where I come from. And not just in terms of misogyny, but also in terms of racism. And of course, those are all sort of interconnected too. So when I, you know, when you and Nay offered me to join the, <laughs> the Feminist Coach Academy, I was like, this is it. This is the thing that I don't want to face because I'm so aware that I have got this within me. I've got systems of oppression and biases within me. And that's a scary place to go because that means I have to acknowledge where I've got it wrong before. But at the same time, I knew and definitely can see now that particularly as a coach, like there is no way that I can coach without having an awareness of these systems, without having an awareness of my own biases and how they might show up in a call or for myself or for my clients. And I don't think, you know, I think as coaches, we go into it to make a difference. We really believe in helping people and making a difference. And right now, now that the cloak has kind of been lifted and I can see all of these things, I know that I would never have reached the depth that I'm continuing to reach each day if I hadn't actually stopped and decided, like, I need to learn about this. Let's do it. Beautiful. Yeah. Okay. There's so much that you said that I want to kind of unpack here. So when you were saying that, you know, in order to acknowledge oppression, like that means you'd have to acknowledge all the, you know, having been wrong about things before, right? Does it help now to know that oppression is a systemic problem and not an individual problem? So like, even though we've all said or done or thought oppressive things, it's not the problem of the individual, even though there is power to have as an individual to change things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, and this is actually, I'm reading a book called White Fragility at the moment. Have you read that? I have not read that particular one, but I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. And I forget the author's name, but... Um, Robin something, I think. That, that's right. It is Robin and, and I can't remember the last name, but I'm reading that at the moment. And that is something that's becoming very clear and has become very clear through, through the training in the academy too. And yes, there are things that we need to do. Like, I think that it's about as an individual taking responsibility for shifting our mindset um, and then obviously taking action from that place. I can see that. But yes, it's sort of like you see it everywhere now. It's in every single system. It's in everything. <laughs> yes, it is. It, it's like it's in everything. It's like when you first start dating someone with a car, do you see their car everywhere? Mm -hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's everywhere. And when you first start becoming aware of it, it can be overwhelming because you are seeing it everywhere all the time. And that's just normal in the beginning, you know, beginning awareness. And not that that really... Not that you become unaware of it over time, but it sort of settles itself a bit. You know, you learn to not take, take it on as much, right? And yeah, I guess you, you learn to sort of see it a little bit differently so that you don't have to always be in that angry space, if you will, right? Yeah, because that's a really heavy, that's a really heavy thing to take on and Maybe some people are driven by, by that, but for me, certainly I feel frozen when I'm taking on that kind of burden, like, oh, this, is, this goes so far back. 
and this is in so much of us and what we've created that I just, I'm frozen. Like, what can I possibly do here? So that's why I think it's very reassuring to hear that from you, but also from all the other mentors too. When you're given like the awareness piece, the theory, and then here's the practical, like here's what you can do. And this is kind of related to that, but I think one of the biggest benefits I've found is I'm so much less afraid now to get it wrong. Like I feel so much braver to stand up and say, I might offend someone here. Let me know if I do because I'm learning and I don't know what I don't know. But like I'm so much less afraid now to go out there and say, I'm going to try this, but I'm aware that there's a lot I'm still not aware of. And, and I welcome people pointing that out to me. You know, I'm, I'm so much less, what's the word? Like I'm less precious about my beliefs now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Less, yeah, less precious about it, less attached a little more open to having, to shifting your beliefs, shifting your thoughts. Yeah, that's a beautiful place to be. I'm so glad that you're feeling less scared and more brave. And yeah, because it's not about getting it right and there's no destination. It's not like you're going to someday arrive at one place where you're like, I have all the answers. I know all the things and it's all good. (laughs) It's not about, that day is never going to happen. And so, like, I think a lot of people think that they need maybe to not feel fear at all or something in order to even try. And in fact, you don't, right? You can do it, show up imperfectly. You can show up and say, hey, you know, I know a few things, but I don't know a lot of things. I'm still learning. And please tell me if I'm offending or whatever, but I'm going to try. And I'm going to try to speak to this and I'm going to try to show up and, and just being honest about it and open to learning. Exactly. Yeah. And then obviously having a safe space to do that. So again, I think because of the environment I grew up in, I never had a safe space to actually talk about these ideas, to feel like it was okay to to question things. Like I remember we had an office hours call And I don't know if you remember this, but I came to the call and said, you know, the bushfires are happening in Australia right now. It's kind of all I can think about. And to be honest, I just don't know how to make sense of our responsibility to fix the climate with talking about pronouns and why fem... Do you know what I mean? Like, Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. At that point in my mind, I was like, and I'm not saying this is true now, okay, but this was my belief then that I was struggling with was I don't see how pronouns matter right now. And of course, it's much deeper than that. And you, you allowed me that space to say that without judgment, you know, I felt totally okay to, to be really vulnerable there and to say, how do I navigate this? Because I don't like having this thought, but it's there. And I don't know if you remember your response, but you said to me, well, actually, if you think about it, it's all connected, you know, and I don't know if you want to dive into that now, but you did say it's all connected and it's the people who are the most depressed are the ones who are most affected by climate change. So if you feel like that's your passion, that's where you want to go with your message, like go there. And of course I've since seen that it's so much deeper than asking someone's pronouns. Like, <laughs> Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's all connected. And you see that more and more as time goes on and as you continue to learn. And you know, I'm so glad that you, you felt like I gave you that space to have that. Because yes, it is really important to have safe and brave spaces 
to question things, to talk about these things. Because even if you have a lot of privileges or you live in a privileged area, it can still feel unsafe to have these conversations with the other privileged people around you who may, you know, laugh at you or or even abuse you emotionally or might just, I don't know, like not take you seriously or whatever it is, right? And and so it is important to have these spaces. I guess I don't think about that enough. But it is, it is important to have a space with other feminists and people who are questioning the system and talking about it and allowing you to have all the thoughts that you've been taught to have and to then begin to, you know, find what liberation means for you. Yeah. And to do it at your own pace too. You know, there's no, there's obviously themes but it's not as if there's this linear track and we're all trying to like rush to the destination to use the word you used before, you know, we're all at different points. We've all got different levels of awareness and each of our coaching businesses are quite different too. So yeah, like it's come as you are where you're at and we go from there. And that's been just really valuable because I've even just been noticing other groups that I'm in and just seeing so much like, People saying like, oh, hey, girls and hi, ladies. and Right. <laughs> it's always cringy for me and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> or it's like all white groups all the time and, you know, and, and I'm sort of the one now who's kind of <laughs> sneaking into these groups and starting to question things a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Oh, you. Yes. Pro- you know, in, a, in a very gentle, subtle of way. Of course, I know. Yes. Baby steps, baby steps. But even that, like those to me aren't necessarily what I would call safe spaces to explore these things. However, because I have that with this group, this community, I then feel like I've got the backing of a group and of mentors so that I can go out to these places and feel like I can express those ideas and then run back and go, this is what happened. What what, what do I do? Like, how do I make sense of this? Help me. (laughs) Good, good. Yes. And that's what the integration calls are for, right? It's like, okay, I'm seeing this in my communities or in other groups or with my clients. How do I address it? How do I bring it up? What do I do? What do I say? And and we're here for you for that. You said something earlier too about like now you, you know, you were resistant to learning more about feminism and integrating it into your coaching and business. But now that you've hopped on board, you see like, wow, how can you, you can't be a coach and not have this awareness. Can you say more about that? Why you think that? Yeah, I think, you know, the coaching world has been a very interesting one to step into. I think in many ways it helps people. I think in many ways it can be toxic. And I, I see a lot of good intentions. And, of course, I've joined with the same intentions. I became a coach for the same reasons. I want to help people. But I think so much of it is set up to be a little bit fluffy you know, like, let's talk about self-care and having bubble baths and looking after yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. I absolutely do. (laughs) And then on the other side of it is the other side that I'm a little resistant to, which is the hard selling, like six-figure, seven-figure coaching, blah, blah, blah. Right. So (laughs) there's those two pieces. And I found that very challenging. And so, you know, what I've discovered is that not only 
would I not be as good a coach, I think, without this level of awareness that I have now and I'm developing, as I said, it's getting deeper and deeper. I still have a lot more to unpack. But I also don't think I'd be able to build my business in a way that I feel good about because I would be, I think, in this very surface level, fluffy, six-figure, you know, seven-figure sort of fairy tale land of coaching. And so I don't know if that makes sense. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Absolutely. So it's about, it's about the two pieces. It's like being a better coach for my clients, but also being a better business owner. So those two things. Absolutely. I'm curious, what are some of the toxic things that you see in the coaching world? I see a lot of bravado. So for instance, I was really feeling quite challenged with when everything happened with coronavirus and these bigger leaders in the coaching world were coming out to their coachees and saying, or to their communities and saying, you know, you're a coach. This is your time to lead. Stand up for these people. People need you right now. They need what you have to offer. And I don't disagree with that. That is so true in many ways. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, that's fine. But if you yourself aren't mentally able to provide that right now, I feel like it's just opening up a whole load of guilt and shame for coaches who are like, I'm supposed to be able to show up and lead my community right now, but I'm broken. I'm scared. Maybe I've lost my job. Maybe I'm trying to pay my bills this month. So I think it's about putting messages out there that maybe aren't genuine. I think it should be more about show up as a human and and show your community that you are feeling it too and you're struggling too. If it's real, it's a real struggle. Don't just do that as a sales tactic, but you know what I mean? Like lead with your heart, have some compassion, not just for other people, but for yourself too. Because I think that's a really toxic message is that coaches should be able to have a grip on their mindset. And as someone who has battled mental illness, and I will use the word battle on and off my whole life, I know that I can't possibly stand up seven days a week, 365 days a year and go, positivity, here's what you need to do to get out of your funk. You know, <laughs> Do this, do that, follow my system and you'll be cured. Like, I just don't believe that that is helpful or healthy. So I think that's the main thing that stands out. There's also a lot to do with like the money side, the selling side. But I think for me, that's what I've been seeing recently that, that I've been pushing against. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're reminding me of what Lena West, you know, our guest teacher and advisory board member calls a qualifying event. You were on that call, right? Yeah. Yeah. So like if you're experiencing grief or, a, you know, loss or a breakup or a death or a, or loss of a job or anything, right? Like, and that's what I've been trying to be clear of because I know that how people show up right now is going to depend you know, individual to individual. And like some people, they're going to want to do something, but they don't know what, and they don't, and they need permission. And then some people, they just, whatever, maybe, maybe they're experiencing a qualifying event or they're in a depression or whatever it is. And it's totally okay to not show up and be the leader or the coach. Like, I mean, part of being a leader, I think is, acknowledging when you're not going to lead, right? And talk, being honest about what you're feeling and experiencing, I think, and being human, like you said. Yeah. Because I think that in some parts of the coaching world, it's this thing of you become a coach and suddenly you're this superhero. You know, you're superhuman, you're kind of above everyone. And that of course is not true. So yeah, it's about 
getting the support that you need. So whether you need a coach or a therapist or whatever you need, whatever your support network is, like activating that so that if and when you are ready to lead your community, you can. But yeah, just being really human about it. If you're not at that place, don't push it. Like have the day off, switch off the social media, like all the things that we tell our clients, which I think is always a good gauge is like, what would I advise a client, you know, guide a client to do now? You would say things like, you know, switch off, take a break, you know, look up at the, the sky, paint a picture, like do your things that make you feel good and recharge your batteries. But then when you do feel a calling, if you do, then you're ready. You know, you can, you can act on it. Beautiful. Do you want to learn how to integrate feminist coach theory and inclusive feminism into your work and your business? Then we invite you to join our certification training in the Feminist Coach Academy. Our first intake starts this September and we are offering early bird pricing right now. Go to our website, feministcoachacademycourses.com to learn more about our certification training, how you can get certified in feminist coach theory and be a part of an inclusive feminist community that is here to support you in your life, in your business and integrating feminist perspectives with intersectional frameworks into your coaching, your work, your everyday life, and your business. We hope you'll join us. Go to feministcoachacademy.com to learn more. So I know that you you talk about mindset a lot. I've always appreciated the way you've talked about mindset. And, and then you mentioned it again, too, of like shifting our mindsets as you know, you're learning more about feminism. So I'm curious. If you can remember, think of some ways that you have shifted your mindset in relation to feminist coaching. Mm. I think it just comes back to that sort of wider perspective now. Like the analogy I use is like, you know, the, the cloak has been taken off, like the hood has been removed and I can see things clearer now. So, you know, it can just be something as simple as when I'm talking to a client about beliefs, I used to just sort of say, you know, Let's look at the beliefs that you've picked up from your parents or your teachers. And now it's so much deeper because I'm like, let's look at the systemic messages that you've internalized maybe unconsciously and educating them on that. But at the same time, I'm educating myself. So I think that's been a big one. Then things around, so to do with that, things like being the nice girl, like it's more important to be liked than it is to challenge things. You don't want to be that girl, you know, you don't want to be the girl who, and I actually remember um, just as a side story, when I was living in Sydney in my 20s and I went out clubbing one night with a friend who's actually from America, she's from Chicago, and we were leaving the club and these two guys catcalled, you know, made some comment about what we were wearing or some comment about wanting to go home with us or something gross. It happened so much I can't even remember the comment, you know very typical of of that environment so I just ignored it because in my mind I'm like you just ignore it don't challenge people like they're just boys being boys like so much that I can see now that was coming up in my mind and why at that point but my friend spun around and told them off basically just put them in their place and said do you have a sister do you, you know like and then educated them on why it can be so hurtful and scary women to be out in the streets on their own and have men talk to them in that way and and I remember like part of me was just 
admiring her so much for like having the guts to speak up. And then a part of me was also just sort of really embarrassed because I was like, no, they're not going to like us if you talk to them like that. You know, it was so ingrained in me that it was important that men liked you and found you attractive. So the me of then compared to the me of now is like two completely different people entirely. Like every cell is different. And I think that's a really great example of that mindset shift as well. Like being able to reflect and go, oh my goodness, like what, what have I been carrying around in my head unconsciously? And how has that been playing out in every aspect of my life and my work? Mm, that's such a good example. And I think it's a really common one. We are definitely, whether we're attracted to men or not, we've definitely, those of us have been socialized as girls and women have been taught to value men's opinion about us and how attractive we are. It's one of those things I think that, you know, for you to recognize that, I mean, that's a huge awareness right there because this is one of those things that is so seeped into our culture that we don't even see it right? Like men ranking women from one to 10, like, are they a 10? You know, like even shit like that. Like we don't even challenge it. It's just so embedded in our everyday culture. We don't even think about those quote unquote little ways that misogyny shows up. And so that is actually like for you to recognize that I think is, is a really big deal. And I think it so often you know, it, it, we don't know that there's thoughts like that that are going on in our head that we're believing. We don't realize they're coming from oppression and we don't realize how much of a hold they have on us. Because how freeing would it be to shift that thought or just not have that thought anymore? Absolutely. I mean, just as an example. It is freeing. But the funny thing is, it's like, <laughs> I, was, I was reflecting on this before we got on the call. I was like, Life is not easier now. Like life is not easier no, now. No, it's not. <laughs> it is so much harder. It really is. And I want to put that out there. It is like you've got to be ready for that. But at the same time, life is so much richer and more rewarding. Okay. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. It is. It's so hard that it's working. I totally agree. No, I totally agree. Well, ignorance is there is a lot of bliss in ignorance and or just not being aware of things, right? There can be some happiness in that. I mean, I, I don't think it's rewarding, like you're saying, and, and I, don't, I don't think it really gets us to the happiness that, we, that really fulfills us, but there can be sort of a, a surface level, you know, a, a, just a, you know, the illusion of happiness anyway, to, be, to just not have that awareness because then, then you continue... Yeah, you continue living a life that may not actually be serving you or being someone or trying to be someone that you're not or that you don't want to be or and so but when you have that level of awareness more and more, you're right. It's harder, but it is more rewarding and you can be more of yourself. Yeah. Like I was thinking just then as you were speaking, I was watching The Big Bang Theory with a friend. I was staying with a friend and it's her and her husband's favorite show and you know, we were watching it. And I used to watch it when, you know, a couple of years ago and enjoyed it. You know, I'm not into those types of shows, but it's easy kind of entertainment when you're just sort of flopping on the couch. And I was watching it and, you know, every five minutes I'm like, oh, sexist. Oh, 
so sick, you know, <laughs> like pointing out. And my friend and her husband were just, they had no idea what I was talking about. And so, you know, I'm like, oh no, I'm, I've become that unfun friend who's like <laughs> ruining everyone's favorite thing. <laughs> the unfun feminist friend, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't think I'll be invited back for TV happy hour anytime soon. But, you know, but yeah, it's difficult. But at the same time, I'm like, you know what? That's okay. Like I sprinkled a little bit of something out there today. And you did. And it doesn't mean it doesn't mean you have to totally stop watching those shows. Like we all have our quote unquote guilty pleasures or the media we consume that is not feminist at all, but like maybe it's a song with misogynistic lyrics, but like we love the song, you know? And it's it's not binary. You know, and and so there, yeah, it's it's kind of complicated. But having that awareness does help you, I think, in your everyday life, and it does help others see it too, because it also helps us demand more feminist media too. And like when we see that, right? So it's like, no, actually, this isn't okay. What? Like, this is still sexist. Like, no, we need more shows that actually do not, you know treat women this way or see women this way or whatever it is. And and so I think that awareness can call for a greater demand and and it helps us see it in our own lives too. But yeah, I mean there's gonna be a lot of buzzkills. <laughs> <laughs> so true. And who knows? Your friends might be like, oh I don't oh man, we can't even watch anything around her now but you know I don't know that they're even thinking that but let's say they are let's be honest they probably are (laughs) I don't know but maybe in like a couple of years they'll be like you know what maybe you know like when you plant a seed it doesn't always begin to grow and sprout right away but it can in the future like sometimes that seed is there and then something else happens that reminds them of that other seed and then it's like oh yeah that's kind of like what Catherine said and oh yeah now they're starting to see more and more of that and they're starting to get more upset about it and they're starting to be like you know this isn't right and so like yeah like this is why it is important to speak out about oppressive things because even when you're afraid of being disliked and all of that, it's, it can definitely, like, even if it doesn't have any effect on the moment positively, it can later on, and you don't even know how or that could be or when it could happen, whatever. But it certainly can. I know myself, like, I have seen people throughout my life who I never would have thought would be, you know, such like badass feminists now. And they have, they've grown into that. And I'm like, whoa, where did you come from? You know? And you just, I mean, I I see it more and more and it's like, it's pretty amazing. I mean, we are living in a little different climate now, you know, it's a little more socially aware of things, but even so, I mean, you just never know. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's awesome. It's kind of like taking the pressure off as well to sort of change the world, you know? which again can be really debilitating and it's going, no, just plant a seed here and there and they'll germinate without you having to stand over and watch them. And Exactly. That was a great example. Thanks for going there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, it's interesting you're talking about, I guess we're, we're talking about relationships and things now. And I think that's actually been another benefit to learning a lot more about feminism and systems of oppression is, and this is not through, you know, pulling people up at all. This is just about being an influence in the way that you're changing yourself. You know, the other day, my partner, so my husband, he's Greek. And so he comes with a lot of uh, his own sort of, you know, internalized messages from quite a patriarchal culture as well. And he said the other day, like, wow, you know, I just, I just noticed so much more now. Like you have, you've kind of opened my eyes to like so many damaging things that I couldn't see before. And I loved that because it's like, he's been evolving along with me, you know, so as, as I've been sharing, you know, what I've been learning, he may not immediately respond and be like, oh yeah, totally. He might make some jokes still, or, you know, he'll have something that comes up from his old belief system, but he will often come back a few days later and go, you know, I've really been thinking about what you said and yeah, I can see that now. Oh, I love that. That's really huge because not only is that about like playing a part in shifting things, but it's also just, it just means we're having a better, deeper relationship and we're growing together. Exactly. It's really hard when one person in the relationship is growing in one way and the other one isn't. And so to grow together in this way is definitely like, that's amazing. Yeah. And you know, I, and the patriarchy doesn't serve men either. And I think the more that cis men realize this, the more on board they're going to be, unfortunately. I mean, fortunately and unfortunately. I mean, people kind of tend to get on board with things that they personally feel, right? As opposed to just like, oh, wait, you know, that person's having that experience and it's not right. <laughs> but once, once you have the experience, then it's like, oh, wait, a change needs to be made. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but I, I have noticed this with my partner who has grown in his feminist awareness over the years, independently of me, actually, because we didn't see each other for a long time. We dated many years ago and then we reconnected more recently and like six months ago. And during the time we didn't see each other as much, but stay connected. We did in some times, but there were periods where we weren't connected at all. And basically throughout that time, he did grow his feminist awareness a lot more. And that's, I do believe that's one of the reasons why we're more compatible now. And you know, it's like, oh, okay, we can talk about these things and you don't get defensive and you don't get offended and you see, and he points it out all the time, like why patriarchy doesn't serve men. And, you know, when men realize that, then they'll have better sex lives. <laughs> they'll have better relationships with women, with themselves, even with their bodies, because my partner still feels shame about his own body. And like, because I've been doing my work around body acceptance. I love his body. And he's like, wow, I, it's so healing for him. And, you know, just, I mean, because men have body shame too. And all kinds of things. They're just not allowed to talk about it. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And, you know, just the pressure of performing masculinity and being what it, you know, what it means to be a man and stuff like that. And, 
and and fine and and like my partner is accepting more that like no he's not the man that society wants him to be and that that's okay and embracing who he actually is instead that's awesome uh, yeah and and he's still kind of i mean it's not like he's like i don't think he would say that he's on an advanced level there i think he would say he's still in the beginning of all of that but even being in the beginning it makes a huge difference Oh yeah. And I think the learning curve in the beginning is maybe bigger anyway. Like I think it's a bigger leap to go from totally unaware of toxic masculinity to seeing it the way that he has been seeing it. That's a huge leap. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I, I love that you're having that with your partner. That's beautiful. And yeah, it's, it's like our, I mean, our, our relationships is what coaching and business is all about too, right? Like relationships that we have with one another and feminism isn't, it shows up in every area in our lives. And it can be fun. Like this is the other thing too. I think I think I came in thinking like, oh, such a drag, you know, women studies. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it's going to be, we're just going to be sitting around complaining about men, you know? And uh, it's so fun. It's so fun. And it's so richer than that. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And it, I would have to say, in my experience, most feminist conversations are not about how bad men are. <laughs> I can't actually think of us having one conversation where that has come up, actually. It's usually about the self, I would say. It's, it's usually about internalized oppression, the messages you've internalized about yourself, or it's just about you know, oppression in the world and caring about what's going on or, but yeah, it can absolutely be fun. I, I do find it fun. And, you know, like Celeste's class on erotica and sexuality, like, see, to me, feminism, true feminism and true is sex positive and that's fun. And it's, being, it's talking about things like that, right? And it's getting in touch with your erotica side. And that's fun, you know? And like we talked about in that class, like coming, approaching your business from a place of pleasure, right? And that's fun. And yeah, and just different ways of, of doing things, different ways of knowing, different ways of connecting with yourself and yeah, I think there is a lot of fun in it that maybe we don't, that's not like super obvious to us. Yeah, yeah. And even in that class, you know, we were being led through a um, sort of pleasure visualization. And for a split second when we were doing that, part of me was like, I can't believe you are focusing on your, um, I don't know what to call it, your vagina, your pleasure center. <laughs> like, like, can't believe you're like visualizing that right now and like two of your mentors are on the call and they can see you on zoom <laughs> <laughs> like you're in a business you're basically in a business meeting thinking about your pussy <laughs> like this is so inappropriate <laughs> right but like right we, we are taught by fucking patriarchal culture that that's inappropriate and that's not okay and that's not but man that is such a buzzkill that is such a like oh and so like actually feminism does make things more fun <laughs> yeah 
It does. <laughs> and it was. I mean, that was such a liberating moment, you know, a little liberating snapshot of like, oh, yeah, I'm doing that and that's totally okay. And, again, I'm in a safe space to do that. Yes, right, exactly. I love that. I like, too, my mentors are here and we're all connecting to our genitalia. <laughs> <laughs> Like I couldn't think of anywhere else where there's nowhere else that I've done that or would even. Right? That's why I want to, so excited to bring that class to you all because I was like, I know Celeste is going to say all kinds of things, have us do things that just nobody's ever experienced before. So. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, this has been a really awesome call and I commend you for being so honest about your, you know, where you were at before and, you know, where you're at now and like just being brave to step into the Feminist Coach Academy and to learn more and all that you are learning through it. And that's, I did not know that. And I am (laughs) very happy to hear that. And thank you for being honest about that. Sure. I think, you know, that that's the big trickery of fear is the fear of actually taking the action is always much bigger than the reality of what actually happens when we are vulnerable, when we are brave. So, you know, coming onto this call and being like, oh, you know, I'm a little bit unsure of like what to talk about and what if I say the wrong thing? And then reminding myself like, no, that's what this is about. It's about just having that courage to go, you know, I'm still learning, still have a long way to go, but I've come a long way. And it's better that I talk about these things and I talk about where I've grown and I talk about the things that maybe I stuffed up on before or wasn't aware of before and maybe still are not aware of and just being brave enough to just step out there and go, that's okay. I'm just going to stand out here and say it. And <laughs> thankfully I have a community there that's kind of got my back while I do it. Yes. Yes, you do. Thank you for leaning into us because yes, we are here for you and doing it alongside you. Yeah. It's awesome. Okay, so let everybody know how they can find you. Yeah, best way to reach me is at my website, katherinerose.com.au. And I'm on Instagram at I am Catherine Rose. Awesome. And check out Catherine's podcast, The Catherine Rose Show, right? Mm, that's it, yeah. It's so good. I love it. I love listening to your voice and the wisdom you share. So everybody check it out. Thanks, Ken. Well, thank you so much again. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Please go to www.feministcoachacademy.com to learn more about our certification training, to grab our freebies. We have a number of freebies available for you and to learn more about who we are, our advisory board, and to listen to more podcast episodes. Make sure you are subscribed to our podcast in iTunes or Spotify and that you're following us on social media at Feminist Coach Academy on Instagram and Facebook. And if you love our podcast, we would love it if you would rate and write us a review in iTunes. That would be amazing. Thank you so much. Have a joyful rest of your day. Thank you.